Good morning. It is a pleasure to be with you this morning. It has been a while since I've been up here, so I hope it's like riding a bicycle. But uh, we will be in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 32 this morning. Before I read this morning's passage, I think it is important to give some context to and background to what has uh, led, to led up to this point. This is what is called the Song of Moses. The children of Israel were coming to the end of their 40-year wilderness journey. And uh, an entire generation had died off. Moses' time on earth was coming to a close as well. That would leave Joshua and Caleb as the leaders of the nation. It would also mean that as a whole, the children of Israel were young. There would have been a lot of wisdom that would have died out there in the wilderness. Moses knew this, and God, and so did God. This is why God instructed Moses to write a song about this. And this previously, before in chapter thirty-one, verses nineteen through twenty-two, we see that uh, that direction. He says. Uh, God tells Moses, Now therefore, write this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the people of Israel. For I have brought them into the land flowing milk and honey, which I swore to give to their fathers, and they have eaten and are full and grown fat. They will turn to other gods and serve them and despise me and break my covenant. And when uh, many evils and troubles have come upon them, this song shall confront them as a witness, for it will be, for it will live unforgetting in the mouths of their offspring. For I know what they are inclined to do even today, before I have brought them into the land that I swore to give. So Moses wrote the song the same day and taught it to the people of Israel. Let's go ahead and read that passage beginning in chapter 2, verse, uh, uh, I'm sorry. It is important that the words of Moses be recorded as a song. It would be used as judgment against them and because of them, the nation of Israel, because uh, the song makes it easier to remember Things, which is why I have this useless library of eighties rock of eighties rock music lyrics in my head. And speaking of music genres, as we read through the majority of the song, you will discover this is no Hillsong United so, uh, song on Caleb. This song of Moses uh, recounts God's uh, past blessings. Um, Israel's sinfulness and and God's judgment on that sin and later the restoration of 
His people. There are some positive things that are said, and there are a lot of negative things said. However, if you read between the lines, you will notice a thread winding through the verses. That thread is God's faithfulness even when the children of Israel were not faithful. He, he was the children of Israel's rock then, and He is our rock now. This morning we will look at our rock as described by Moses. Now begin in chapter 32, verse 1. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. May my teaching drop as a rain, my speech distill as a dew, like gentle rain upon the tender grass, and like showers upon the herb. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. The rock, His work is perfect, for all His ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity. Just and upright is He. They have dwelt corruptly with Him. They are no longer His children because they are blemished. They are a crooked and twisted generation. Do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is not, your, is not He your Father who created you, who made you and established you? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations Ask your father and he will show you your elders and they will tell you. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is his allotted heritage. He found him in a desert land, in the howling waste of the wilderness. He encircled him, he carried for him, he kept him as the apple of his eye, like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that, feather, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions. Yahweh alone guided them. No foreign god was with them. He made them ride on the high places of the land, and he ate the produce of the field, and he suckled him with the honey out of the rock. And all and oil out of the flinty rock, curds from the herd and milk from the flock, with fats of lambs, rams of bashing and goats, with the very finest of the wheat, and ye drank foaming wine made for the blood of the grape. But Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. You grew fat, stout and sleek. Then he forsook God who made him, and scoffed at the rock of his salvation. They stirred him to jealousy with strange gods. With abominations, they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons that were, no, that were no gods, to gods that they had never known, to new gods that they had had come recently, whom your fathers had never dreaded. You were unmindful of the rock that bore you, and you forgot the God, you forgot the God who gave you birth. Yahweh saw it and spurned them. Because of the provocation of his sons and his daughters. And he said, 
I will hide my face from them, and I will see what their end will be. For they are a perverse generation, children in whom is no faithfulness. They have made me jealous with what is no God. They have provoked me to anger with their idols. So I will make them jealous with those who are no people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. For a fire kindled by my anger, and it burns to the depths of Sheol, devours the earth and its increase, and sets on the fire the foundations of the mountains. And I will heap disasters upon them. I will spend my arrows on them. They shall uh, be wasted with hunger and devoured by plague and poisonous pestilence. I will send the teeth of beasts against them with the venom of things that crawl in the dust. Outdoors the sword shall be, be raved and the indoors terror for young man and woman alike, the nursing child with the man of gray hairs. I have said, I will cut them to pieces. I will wipe them from human memory. Have I not feared provocation by the enemy, lest their adversaries should misunderstand, lest they should say, Our hand is triumphant. It was not the Lord, it was not Yahweh who did all this. For they are a nation void of counsel, and there is no understanding in them. If they were wise, they would understand this. They would discern their latter end. How could one have chased a thousand and two have put ten thousand to flight unless the rock had sold them and Yahweh had given them up? For their rock is not as our rock. Our enemies are by themselves. For their vine comes from vine of Sodom and from the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of poison. Their clusters are bitter. Their wine is a poison of serpents and the cruel venom of ass. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank You, and we do look to You as our rock this morning, Father. In, in this church, let us never forget that You built Your church on a rock, Your Son, and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The word rock connotates that God is stable and unchanging. And you will have noted throughout the song of Moses, it was the people of Israel that were changing, not God. It was them that were moving from being faithful to unfaithful. And this is the first instance of the word rock used uh, to describe God in the Bible. It tells of His steadfast faithfulness and permanence. He is the foundation. Everything must start with God as a foundation. Otherwise, it will crumble as we read in Matthew chapter 7 where the wise man who listened to Christ's words, he built his house on the rock. And when his, and when, and his house was still standing, when the torrents came. While the foolish man, represented by ones who did not listen to the words of Christ, the house fell when the torrents came. So this morning, I looked at, I'd like to take a look at four instances here in this passage where God is our rock. First of all, let's look at verse 4 where we see that the rock is spotless. The rock, His work is is perfect for all his ways are justice a god of faithfulness and without iniquity just and upright is he 
the rock, his work is perfect, his ways are justice, and he is just, upright, and sinless. The theological term that you hear so commonly used and during this, uh, describe this is called uh, impeccable. In 1 John we read how uh, God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. The Greek word that is you there is, not, is, is so in fact that it is saying not only is there no darkness in Him, it is beyond the realm of possibility that there will ever be darkness in God. He is spotless. He is without blemish. That's why, that's why it was so important for Christ to come to live a perfect life. And imperfect people cannot stand before a perfect God. That is why it is required for sinful man to have a relationship if for, 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 for sinful man to have a relationship with God, there must be a perfect sacrifice. Jesus was that spotless lamb. And because God is perfect, He is perfect, that sacrifice was accepted. And because He is perfect, He is worthy to be praised. David says in Psalms, 144 verses 1 through 2. Blessed be Yahweh, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He is my steadfast love and fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. David loved using, referring to God as, he's, as his rock. He does it several times in the Psalms. And he also does it in his song, the Song of Deliverance in 2 Samuel chapter uh, 22, where he mentions God as the rock as divine for perfection. This God, His way is perfect. The word of Yahweh proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in Him. For who is God but Yahweh? And who is a rock except our God? This God is my strong refuge and has made my way blameless. Ecclesiastes 3.14 tells us, I perceive that whatsoever God does endure forever, nothing can be added to it nor anything taken from it. God has done it so, so that people fear before Him. His ways are perfect. We should never be so arrogant to think that we can thwart a God whose ways are perfect. Nor should we think that we can screw things up enough to prevent His perfect will. We're sinners. I'm sure God takes that into account. God can and will use any circumstances in any situation to bring Himself glory. The question becomes, are we pursuing righteousness and sanctification to the point where we can receive the blessing of being a part of it? We see how all these qualities mentioned in this verse alone make for a great spiritual foundation. He's perfect. He's just. He's righteous. 
He's spotless. And because He has those qualities, it takes us to the second feature of the rock, which is the rock is salvation. Let's look at verse 15. But Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. You grew fat, stout, and sleek. Then he forsook God who made him and scoffed at the rock of his salvation. First off, we kind of see a little uh, irony here. Uh, the name Jeshurun means the upright one, meaning Israel. So this is kind of a mocking tone. Here is the upright one getting some truth laid on him. The imagery of growing fat tells of the prosperity that Israel enjoyed under Yahweh. And what did he do? What did Israel do with this prosperity? They turned their back on God. Friends, sometimes prosperity can be a curse. Jeshurun forgot where his prosperity, prosperity came from. Sometimes we may too. Prosperity can lead you to forgetting God. Early in Deuteronomy 6, 10-12, God addresses this. And mind you, this is right after He gave them the Ten Commandments. And when Yahweh your God brings you into the land that He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give you with great and good cities that you did not build and houses full of all good things that you did not fill and cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget Yahweh who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And by the way, they promptly did just that. Prosperity is not a sign, is not a good sign of being right before God. There are numerous examples of that in Scripture. David laments about the prosperity of the wicked in the Psalms. As we learn in Jeremiah chapter 12, so did he. Prosperity was so ingrained wrongly with righteousness that even hundreds of years later, Jesus had to address it. Prosperity can lead to rebellion and destruction. That's what He is talking about here. It leads to rebellion and to forgetting that the rock, and forgetting the rock of salvation Prosperity may cause uh, credit to go somewhere else. It might, it might go towards yourself. It might go towards someone else. It might go toward a uh, company or whatever, but it goes somewhere else other than God. And it goes somewhere other than where it truly belongs. And, and we tend to pursue salvation through another avenue from, from someplace else. We must remember that salvation comes only from the
the rock and nowhere else. It is He who is our fortress and our shield. He is our protector. There is no other Savior. There is no other name by which we can be saved. In Acts, Peter says in Acts 4.12, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It is in Him alone that we can be protected and prosper. He is a fortress unto which we can run to and be a safe and firm, for, for, safe and firm foundation for which we can stand in, and build. In our prosperity, we should praise Him. In our poverty, we should praise Him. In volume 1 of his commentary on Psalms, the late Reformed Presbyterian minister James Montgomery uh, Boise relays a story about Augustus M. Toplady, an 18th century preacher and songwriter. One day, Toplady was traveling throughout uh, the country, and a storm brewed up. And he, and he was forced to take shelter in the cleft of a great rock. While he was waiting for the storm to pass, he reflected on the situation spiritually. And the words of, the, of a hymn began to form in his mind. Looking down at his feet, he discovered a playing card that someone who had been there earlier had dropped. So he picked it up and used it to record these words. By the way, that card is still in existence. He wrote, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy riven side which flowed be a sin the double cure. Cleanse me from its guilt and power. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Just as Byron read from Psalm 62 this morning, He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. So we see that the rock is spotless. The rock is salvation. Now we see how the rock is sovereign. In verse 30, how could one have chased a thousand and two have put ten thousand to flight unless their rock had sold them and Yahweh had given them up? We have instances in Scripture where God's people were vastly outnumbered and won. And we have instances where Israel vastly outnumbered the enemy and were <coughs> and lost. What was the difference? Obedience. When they were obedient, they were invincible. When they weren't, they were pushover. Do you recall the story in Numbers where after they refused to go into uh, the promised land because of the bad report of the ten of the twelve spies, that they, after they found out what their punishment was to wander in the wilderness, like, oh, okay, well, let's know, we'll, we'll go ahead and go. 
And what happened? They got routed because God was not with them. <coughs> they were overwhelmed by inferior forces. You remember the story of Gideon in Judges. God used 300 men <coughs> to defeat a large army of Midianites. How did He do it? He caused confusion in their camp to the point they were attacking each other. God took over their minds and their emotions. Judges 7.22 tells us, when they, Gideon's men, blew the 300 trumpets, Yahweh set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. In Exodus, we see God hardening Pharaoh's heart to not let the Hebrews go in order to pass judgment on the Egyptians. God is sovereign and He will do whatever He pleases and however He pleases in order that His perfect will be done. You know, I enjoy debating political ideologies, and but I don't let it consume me because regardless of what happens, I know God is in control. Getting back to verse 30. Why were God's chosen people defeated? Because He chose to let them be defeated because of their disobedience and no amount of preparation on their part that they did beforehand in preparing for this battle was going to change that. He sold them to the enemy. Another point that we can look at here is to not look at our circumstances and place limits on God. Let's not be overwhelmed by the appearance of the task. Let's not be like the spies who brought in, who brought back the bad reports, talking about giants in the land. Let's have the faith and the attitude of Caleb, who said, "Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well to well able to overcome it." Let's look at what God says a little later in verses 39 through 42. See now that I see now that I, even I, am He, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. For I lift up my hand to heaven and swear as I live forever, if I sharpen my flashing sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will take vengeance on my adversaries and will pay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives from the long-haired heads of the enemy. I don't know about you, but doesn't kind of sound like somebody who's in charge? If God is not sovereign over everything, He's not sovereign over anything. Friends, take comfort in this. God is in control regardless of the odds whether they are heavily against you 
or they are heavily in your favor. Finally, let's look at verse 31. The rock is sure. And this is the verse that got started down looking at this passage. Let's read it again. For their rock is not as our rock. Our enemies are beside themselves. And I gotta be honest with you, when I read that, it kind of cracked my tractor a little bit. You know, it's it was a it this is a powerful message. For their rock, lowercase r, is not like our rock, capital R. We saw earlier earlier that God was the only Savior, was 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 the only Savior, but not only is He the only Savior, He is the only God. There is none other. He alone is sovereign. He alone saves. Other translations, I think, give a clearer picture than the ESV, than the ESV does here in the second part of the verse. The ESV translated, our enemies are by themselves. The Holman Christian Standard has it as even our enemies concede. The New King's Version has it as even our enemies themselves being judges. Back to the commentary by Boise. He also tells a story about evangelist D.L. Moody. Moody argued that in times of trouble, the objects trusted by unbelievers fail them and they can see that they do not find the help in their gods that Christians find in ours. Moody pursued this by talking about atheists, pantheists, and infidels, claiming that in the hour of their death, they do not turn to their atheism or pantheism, but rather they turn to anything at all, they ask a minister to pray for them. I have never heard of an infidel going down to his grave happily, claimed Moody. They have nothing to hang on to, their rock is not our rock, and they confess it. Boise continues, how different it is for, uh, for Christians. We do not live perfect lives, and we stumble many times, sometimes dreadfully. But when we come to the end of life and look back on it, as David has done in this psalm, we confess that whatever our feelings may have been, our God has not failed us. We confess as a true saying, if we are faithless, He will remain faithful, for He cannot disown Himself. 2 Timothy 2.13 Our rock is sure. He is unchanging. He is immovable. There is none other like Him. I'm going to go to a step further with this verse. And that's something I can say I believe with all biblical confidence. It seems like every week there is a new sin-based group that pops up and demands recognition, rights, or equality. I contend that they are not truly looking for these things, but, what, but rather what they are looking for is justification for their sin. We are all created in God's image to know right and wrong and no amount of heart Hardening is going to change that deep down feeling of sin. 
So they try frantically for justification, hoping that worldly acceptance will give them peace. But it won't. Sadly, many so-called churches have been snookered into it under the guise of love when in reality it is hate because they don't want to be offensive and call sin, sin. This mindset of seeking justification is spelled out very plainly in Romans chapter 1, verses 18-25. through 25. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be, uh, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have, that, that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they came a, became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and served as worship and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. I did not come up here this morning to try to belittle or mock the children of Israel. We do things like this all the time ourselves. The only difference is we don't have it's not written down in scripture. Ultimately, this is about God's faithfulness to us. Will he punish and discipline his children? Yes. Will he remain faithful? Absolutely. Sinners, putting your faith in anything or anyone besides Jesus is a losing proposition. You do not have a firm foundation to stand on. He was the atoning sacrifice for our sin. He bore the wrath of God so that we would not have to. No amount of good works is going to save you. Only repenting of your sins and putting your faith in Christ can do that. If God has awakened your soul this morning, please, I encourage you to talk to one of our elders. Let me ask, going back to the cleft of the rock, are you sheltered in the cleft of the rock this morning? If you are, you can sing with David in Psalm 18, 1, 1, Psalm 18 verses 1 through 3. I love you, O Yahweh, my strength. Yahweh is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon Yahweh who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your great faithfulness to us. May we never bow down to the gods of this world. Father, we thank You for Your, your great mercy and the grace by when we 
can stand righteous before you, not by our own acts, but through the perfect sacrifice of Your Son. And Father, we thank You so much for Your forgiveness. Father, You have given us a life that we don't deserve. And uh, Father, we thank You so much for that. Lord, I pray that, uh, that we would always remember where our strength comes from. Father, that You are a rock and that we should always rely on You even when those when even when things seem so insurmountable god you will be glorified and father that 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 be all that we would want for it's in jesus name we pray amen